the Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Big Red Bench. It is Sarah McKenzie Foley with you for the next hour. We are going to have reaction from the Cork Hurlers loss against Kilkenny last night, as well as a Super Bowl preview. And of course, we'll be looking back at the result of Ireland's Six Nations game against Italy today. If you want to get in touch with me here in the studio, you can find us on X. We are at Big Red Bench, or you can send me a message on WhatsApp. We're 0868104106. But in the meantime, let's get into it. Starting with rugby, where Ireland have beaten Italy 36-0 in their second round fixture of the Six Nations today at the Aviva Stadium. A bonus point win means that Andy Farrell's men are now two points clear of England at the top of the championship standings. To the Premier League now, where there were two games down for decision today. In the day's first game, Arsenal ran out a supremely dominant 6-0 win against West Ham at the London Stadium. Guy Swindles has the full-time report. West Ham nil, Arsenal 6 a red letter day for the Gunners in East London as they not only went level on points with Manchester City they also caught up a 6 goal deficit as far as goal difference was concerned they scored 4 in the first half as they took complete control through Saliba Sackles penalty Gabriel and Trossard but that wasn't enough for the Gunners and in the second half there was a second goal for Saka and Declan Rice with two assists in the first half made it a wonderful return for him to his former stamping grounds when he curled in a wonderful right foot effort to make it six. After that Arsenal had further opportunities, couldn't take them. West Ham a day to forget. West Ham nil, Arsenal six. The other game today sees sixth place Manchester United coming up against fifth place Aston Villa. That game is currently level at one all after about 70 minutes played. On the international stage, Ivory Coast will look to become the first side since 2006 to win the Africa Cup of Nations as tournament hosts this evening. Nigeria stand in their way as the Super Eagles look to win their first continental title since 2013 and kickoff there is at 8pm Irish time. In basketball, energy-wise, Ireland-Neptune have secured a win against Mike Cullen in the Insure My Van Dalaig Super League this afternoon. The final score from that game was 67 points to 55. In the misquote.ie Super League, there was a Cork Derby as Gronenbrocher Credit Union Brunel took on the address UCC Glanmire. And it was Glanmire who emerged victorious from that game by 79 points to 69. Finally, in American football, the Kansas City Chiefs can become the first team in almost two decades to retain the Super Bowl when they take on the San Francisco 49ers in Las Vegas tonight. The holders are appearing in the NFL's most prestigious match for the fourth time in five years. And their tight end, Travis Kelsey, who was a two-time champion, says it's still hard to prepare for the scale of the occasion. You can't plan any of them. You just got to be ready for the challenge and, and, and the task at hand to be able to overcome uh, maybe some adversity, be able to, you know, finish off a football game the right way. There's certain things that you just, you, you, can't, you can't train for. 
that was your roundup of the day's action. Let's move on to Gaelic games now because there was a big clash down at Super Valley Porky Cueve last night between the Cork and Ken- Kilkenny Hurlers. And the venue saw its highest attendance at a league game so far this year with no less than 16,274 fans in the ground. But unfortunately for the home side, it was Kilkenny who came out as victors by a single point. The final score was Cork, one goal and 17 points to Kilkenny, 21 points. And Cork boss Pat Ryan gave his post-game reaction to Tommy Rooney from off the ball. And after that, he spoke to Dylan O'Connell about the impact of several of the Cork players in particular. Pat Ryan, your Cork side have come out the wrong side of a one-point defeat today. You must be disappointed after that. Yeah, look, look, we came down to win the match. Um, look, obviously very disappointed with the first half performance. Um, look, I suppose the first look the last 10 minutes, we gave ourselves an opportunity, got a goal and a couple of points to get us back into the game. Went in probably three points down, we should probably have been seven or eight points down. Um, but look, we came out, played great in the second half um, and probably should have won the game in the end. Look, disappointed, a couple of chances that we didn't take, but in fairness to Kilkenny, they did enough to get over the line. So, look, we take the positives. Um, look, there's plenty to work on going forward as well, though. You had some really heartening moments in that half particularly the third quarter and also the five minutes before half time you must have been raging with that first 30 minutes though yeah I look very disappointed look the lads were very disappointed with themselves you know look I just didn't think we attacked the game we left stood off Kilkenny too much left them hurl and look Kilkenny are a very good side like, but I think look, we were probably architects of our own downfall we didn't move the ball fast enough too many too many hand passes too many lateral balls that we've been trying to move move quicker into our inside line and move quicker up to our half hour line but look um, from that point of view look there, there are areas to work on um, there's something that we're trying to change and look it's um, look a huge learning for us going forward next week two great weeks of training now um, before we play Waterford so uh, we look forward to that and we move forward Yeah, yeah you, there are positives you can take from this one of them the return of Mark Coleman back after a long time you emptied the bench quite early uh, I know there's an injury or two there but you, you do have options there that you're you're not afraid to use I know look we've plenty of players look I think I think look, I sp- that was a mistake we made above against Clare um, that we didn't empty the bench early enough when Phil were flagging look at start of the year um, but we said we'd empty the bench today we've plenty of players um, but look obviously look we were probably a bit hamstring as regards um, you know we say Brian Walsh Cormac O'Brien and Kieran Joyce if, if they were to partake today that would have been four games in nine days so that wasn't going to happen so um, but look we've plenty of players coming back to us and um, we've a good strong squad and uh, look we'll see where that takes us There was a couple of moments in the half where uh, Shane Kingston was tearing through on goal and you could hear the crowd the buzz the anticipation and it just fell short if he had a moment or two like that do you think you would have held on to it? Yeah, look, we needed to get that second goal. Do you know what I mean? I think we had a great opportunity to get a couple of a couple of goals, really, to be honest with you. But I think that second goal would have made a difference to us. But look, in fairness, look very proud of the lads that they're going forward and trying to take those opportunities. Um, but look, we left a lot of scores behind us in the second half. So, but look, you can you can you can kind of give out about leaving scores behind you. But um, you just make sure you can make that that be a kind of a running thing. So our job now next week is make sure that we can start finishing them a bit better. Um, our interplay is a bit more a bit more uh, sharper and and, and um, cleaner and crisper. And uh, look. We'll see where that takes us. It's two defeats from two, but it's two tight defeats and loads of positives from both games in moments. What are the next two weeks going to be like? Because that third match is imperative to, to get a win there. Yeah, look, 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 imperative. I don't know, but, but look, at it, what I would say is, look, we don't want to be, we want to be winning games, and that's 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 the way we will take it against Waterford next week. So, or in two weeks' times. But um, look, from our point of view, it's a great opportunity for us to get our thirty-five players back together. Probably haven't had that for two weeks with the Fitzgibbon going on. So, um, look, that'll give us a great opportunity to, to build build going forward, build going forward in the rest of the league, and then build into the championship. Hi, right, look, Pat. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. You know. There's a lot of ways that Coggy missed a few frees in the second half. Is that something? Is that a cause for concern? 
Yeah, well, look, I think, look, I think in fairness to Hoggy, look, you know, just early, early, early doors for, for, for Patrick. Look, we know what a brilliant free taker he is for us. So, um, look, he'll get that right. I think, look, in fairness to him, I think he was 29 out of 30 last year um, inside the 65 for us in Championship League. So, look, we've no worries about Hoggy getting it, but look, he'll get sharp and sharp. Great to see the legs of Mark Holm then coming on in the second half. Yeah, huge, look, huge, look, look, Tim O'Manny was back as well for us. You know, Tim O'Manny didn't play that much with us last year. Um, obviously, played against Limerick in the end, and look, look to see him come back, to see Mark Coleman come back. Eden Toomey came back in there today, going down, he's been outside kind of since Christmas. You have a great performance there, you got a kind of a bit of a bang in the shin. So look delighted with um delighted with them. So look we'll we we'll move on. So what if we're doing next? Uh, I suppose it's Munster Derby one sense but it's local rivalry as well like what's your thoughts now for that game exactly look, we just need to perform now again that, against that, that the next day look we want to make a better start than we did today and obviously to know a consistent performance across it look look delighted with our subs that came on today which made a huge difference to us in getting back into the game so look we'll, we'll go back to Tuesday night take the things that we did well and try and build in them and some of the stuff that we need to do better we'll, we'll work on them I suppose that is what makes the most important the league the fact that it gives you the breathing room to see out these combinations for the Munster Championship it does yeah but look look obviously you want to start winning matches as well look look there's Disappointing, especially look, we haven't we, we, we haven't been beaten at home um, all last year in the league or in the championship, you know, and it's disappointing to kind of lose that record as, as, as our management team are together. So, um, but look, that's a disappointing factor of it. But look, obviously, look, you just put that to bed now and you move on to the next day. Let's hear now from the winning side. This is Kilkenny boss Derek Link giving Tommy Rooney his thoughts on the game. Derek Link, Kilkenny manager, you're leaving Porky Creeps tonight with a, a win, a one point win. How did you feel after that game today? Um, I'd look happy with the happy with the performance and the win. Obviously, uh, it's not an easy place to come and play. So it, we were very happy in the first half, playing very well. You know, and we probably the last ten minutes in the first half, then we took our foot off the gas a little bit, and you know, uh, I think it was only three points in at a half time. So I think the way we dug it out in the second half because we knew obviously Cork were going to come at us strong and. And they did. Um, we probably, you know, I think both sides probably would have been disappointed and missed a few chances. Um, so look, at the end, you know, possibly, you know, they had a couple of chances to to get the draw and we probably left a couple, you know, good chances behind as well. So I think overall, look, just happy with the overall performance and it wasn't perfect, obviously. Um, plenty to still to work on, but... You know, it's it's an important two points at the same time. Yeah, it's massive. It's, it's your first win of the league campaign after the draw last week, and and uh, offering extra drew earlier, so it's very important to get important to get that win. Uh, you played some savage stuff at times in the first half. You mentioned the kind of the five minutes before half time there, where you maybe put, took the foot off the glass. Were you worried with the pace of the game in the first half? At times, it's like a bit of a challenge game until Cork kind of came alive. Yeah, I suppose it's funny. It's um, you know, from our perspective, like the effort was going in, you know, and I think from Cork as well. Sometimes it's like that. I think there's a lot of you know the game in terms of the way teams are setting up now it's nearly it's a possession game and teams are trying to work it out from the back and things like that so um, I thought we kind of made it hard for Cork at times and um, you know we were finding our men I thought we were moving the ball up with a good pace up the field and you know for a period there we were hurling very well and then Cork got back into it obviously and that happens in the game but you know it's something we'll have to we'll have to work on obviously because I think when you're on top for a long spell like that, you really need to be, um, you know, closing it out, if you like, for a few minutes. Um, really, that third quarter, I think there was a 15-minute spell where Cork got five on the bounce and they missed two goal chances. But then uh, Billy Drennan, I think, got the next three scores. He kind of took over the freeze and, yeah. and kind of dragged you back in front. So that was kind of a big period there. You'd emptied the bench in that time as well. We did. We'd emptied the bench and look, the effort, like I said, we were training very hard at the minute. So a lot of lads, you can see, they were retiring and a lot of lads just coming back today. Mikey Carey's his first game and I'm not sure how long, nearly a couple of years for Kilkenny, so it did really well. But again, like they're, you know, they were getting tired, Keane, Kenny, a lot of lads come back from injuries and niggles as well. So all the lads came in, all contributed. So overall, 
overall, look, we're happy with the win. We have the two points and we've worked to do, but that's okay. What was the preparation like this winter? Obviously, a couple of the Kenny clubs had phenomenal uh, campaigns. You have a good few Auckland Gales boys back now. I think you gave out five debuts last week. Um, how did you find this prep for this year's campaign? It's, it, it can be difficult, I suppose. It's great. You have club teams involved and they're competing and that's always a good thing. Um, but in terms of, you know, you don't have them back when you, you, when you like to have them really. And so you're a little bit late in terms of, you know, in, in terms of getting a group together and uh, gelling them and working on things. So we're probably a little bit behind there. Um, you're obviously trying to add a couple of percentage this year. Like you came close last year, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, look, I mean, you're always trying to find new players and give them an opportunity. And it's a great place to find out about lads as well. And, you know, places like Parky Cueve. And look, we'll have other big challenges in the league as well. And other lads will get opportunities, which is great. Um, well, like players that we have, it's about improving them as well. So we just, it's a kind of a, we're a work in progress, I suppose, if you like. Um, and we're far from finished. And we, we've, but we're looking forward to it. It's a challenge and it's something we'll just get our heads down now and work that for the next couple of months after letting the lead slip last week was there much talk this week about making sure you got the job done today yeah look a lot of it like it's great to get the two points in the end obviously it could have went either way um, but a point win down here I would have taken it absolutely and and, re- and you know very happy with the effort um, at times we were frustrating I think in some of our, our play and at other times then we were we were excellent so you're going to get that this time of year but overall very happy yeah. Darling, congrats and safe home thank you and we're going to stick with Gaelic Games for a bit now because All-Ireland Champions Cork will get their 2024 Very Camogie National League Division 1 campaign up and running next Saturday, February 17th. And the Rebels will be travelling to face Kilkenny, their arch rivals, and also the county that they knocked out of last year's All-Ireland Senior Championship at the quarter-final stage. So it should certainly be a cracking counter. And the Big Red Benches, Ger McCarthy spoke to the new Cork Camogie Senior Manager, Ger Manley, ahead of another Kilkenny showdown and he heard about how the Rebels' plans are shaping up ahead of another National League and All-Ireland Senior Championship campaign. Delighted to be joined now on the line by the new Cork Senior Camogie Manager, Ger Manley, ahead of the very Camogie League Division 1 season where Cork begin away to Kilkenny on Saturday, February 17th. Jerry, very welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much for joining us. No, no problem, Jerry. No problem. Glad to be here, yeah. I would imagine uh, the preparations have been ramping up ahead of the National League anyway over the last couple of weeks, but has it been easier to focus minds the fact that it's Kilkenny and away to Kilkenny as an opener? Uh, without a doubt, look, I, I, we, we came back a small bit later this year. We can come back till after Christmas because with the, the night ends and everything and it's all flat because they're, they're, they have two years there. They're like four national finals. They're supposed to get the two leagues in Twilight. So we said we'd come back. So we're ramping up down along the last uh, three weeks, really. We're back three weeks. Uh, things are going well. We've two challenge games played and Kiki uh, needs a tough opener. You know, away. Um, uh, we were up there uh, as well last year for the league so look we thought we'd be at home but six of our funny in the smoggy world so um, it's a tough one and we've offered for the, for the following week so tough start for us Yeah it is a tough start but this is the kind of challenge I would imagine you and the fringe players that you and your backroom team want to take a look at it's better to get these tough uh, assignments up first I would imagine because you'll see what you've got then Yeah I totally agree sir um, we're giving you a few new girls brought into the panel a few left go and I suppose we're going to have a look at some of the girls in the league and I think we have, we have our established players and we have a few girls back from injury that didn't play that much last year so we'll be looking at them in the league and seeing where we are and where they are at because um, I suppose we're trying to make it competitive with, in our panel and um, we had a lot of injuries last year I suppose and so the panel really won it for us when it came to the end of the championship so that's where we're looking at something our panel 
Um, the last, you mentioned the panel there, how important are the Cork intermediates to, in that regard, Jar? And I know down through the years, over previous years, Cork have been very successful at intermediate level, but the connection between the intermediate and the senior panel is vital for you because I would imagine on one hand, you get to see players playing competitive games and maybe bring them up, or you've got fringe players that you want to see playing, uh, going the opposite way and getting game time. Is, is that how it works this year? It is. Um, we decided, um, Donny Daly, uh, and myself met up there and uh, we've um, I probably seven or eight players that are eligible for intermediate as well with a few players that regraded from the senior grade because uh, if you, they didn't play last year in the senior championship so they're low regrades and so we had three players on our panel that played the first game against um, Tipperary in uh, in the intermediate league so that's good for us we're the team in action because look we can only play 15 and intermediate games and it's competitive games that you want and I suppose the other club team doesn't start yet you know, and Cork will be starting in the probably four or five weeks the league and all that. So we need to see them. So we have a good relationship. Um, there'll be with a few players being released every every week for the intermediate team. Um, so we carry probably 25, 26 in league games, four or five players that won't get on the squad. Or hopefully they're eligible for the intermediate team, and they get a game at them. Now it, it, it works. It's working well at the moment, and hopefully it will continue throughout the year. Games are really where the girls get the competitive edge that they need, and we see them in action. And same for Don, Donny with the intermediate team, the heel team in action. Note a couple of players we brought up into challenge games already that we've seen doing quite well with the intermediate in the first two games. We brought them up into the into a few challenge games that we had there in the last two or three weeks. So it, it seems to be working if we can keep it going to be great. It certainly would. Um, how are you finding it? Because this is new for you. I know you've been part of Matthew Toomey's backroom team, and you have a very specific role. But now you're the head honcho, whether you want to be called it or not, and you've got to be yeah, you've, you've got to sure. take on extra responsibilities. But it sounds like you've enjoyed it so far. Ah, look, look, I, I've still been in contact with Matthew um, quite a bit. Uh, he, I, look, he was a super manager there the last two years, and uh, we look at very good relationship with him. So he'll give me plenty <laughs> advice. But uh, it is different. Um, I suppose the organising stuff is grand. You can talk to training just do a bit of coaching. You know, it's, uh, where you're the manager, you're looking at other things and getting the back team together. And we're still probably getting a few bits and pieces back together because we, we lost Katie Donovan last year and Anthony O'Neill. They're very important members of the of the backup backroom team as well. And it's just getting people in. You know, because it's a huge commitment in the county. It's, got, it's not like before. I suppose where you can just turn up and. Uh, and you know, do the business. There's lots of work that goes on behind us. I'm lucky enough that a few very good people involved me, Jennifer me and there's involved from last year. Nani McCarthy, the county board, liaison is very good. But look, I suppose the most important people, I suppose, are the coaches that got in and Fiona Driscoll and Brendan Driscoll there. Uh, Fiona from Father needs huge experience and we have Liam Cronin who is um, top class in his role and look, I think um, hopefully we have to improve because if we stand still, we'll be left behind. All the other counties are back are probably six or eight weeks before us. And um, now we're just looking it. It's a big change, I'll be honest. Um, big change. I, I suppose I, I, I'm used to probably being with a lot of people when I, where I work, but uh, I suppose it's different when you're uh, in sporting towns because uh, I probably have a, a lot of time to get things done where I, and work whereas in, in this uh, place, I suppose, that I'm at now. Um, you know, it's it'll be very proactive. You know, I think it's happening fairly quick. We're back a couple of weeks. We're back into the league. League is over, and probably in eight or ten weeks, we're straight into the championship. So look, it is it, it, it is busy. Um, and just on that, what's a realistic, or is there a re- is there have you set goals for this year's national league? Or are you just going to have to take uh, it one yeah. game at a time? Yeah, look, I, I think look, we're going to use it to 
that hopefully you get a few of the players that have time, some of the new players in to see are they able for it because unless you get them playing at that level, they'll never get a chance. And I suppose that's why I suppose I'm looking for going down playing into me to get them games and see are they able to train. It is pressure holding um, and it's a big step up to Kamogi and, and it's getting better. I think um, the fitness, the sort of conditioning, everything, the analysis, it's all moved on, I suppose, in the last couple of years. Um, Matthew Bradford and the Huge amount there in the last couple of years, and before that, party money had it at the same level. So, look, it's just to improve if we can, you know, get the standards a bit higher. So, uh, look, how big thing for the National League, really. Look, try to win every game. I don't like losing matches, I suppose. We don't like losing challenge games in training, the same when I was playing. So, I suppose the important thing is that we get a, a winning run and get back into the game. And it's, it's nice playing Crow Park and all these in, in these finals. And look, we did get to the, the last four national finals, so that's the rain again. Got the Crow Park in April, you know. Excellent stuff. Well, it's a difficult start for you to get to. It's a long way off to get to there. You got you take on Kilkenny this weekend in the opening round of this year's 2024 very Camogie Division One League National League. Ger Manley, uh, all the best to you and the Cork Senior Team ahead of that game, and we look forward to talking to you throughout the campaign. Thanks very much, Joe. Thank you. We are going to take a quick look at League of Ireland now because Dan Casey has had a chance to speak with Cove Ramblers head coach Gary Hunt at the recent launch of the League of Ireland in Dublin. They talked about Gary's transition into his new role, dealing with the challenges of that and also his hopes for the season. So let's have a listen. Gary, with Shane gone last year, big shoes to fill, but uh, how are you getting on so far? Yeah, of course. It was a it was a great season last year for Cove, wasn't it? Um, it's you know it happened all quickly at first. Um, but I think we're in a good place now. You know, I think we've done well in the off season. We've done well in pre season. Uh, so now it's a case of looking forward to you know 16th of Feb. Yeah, is this your first time in full time manager full season management? Yeah, so uh, I would have worked in the, in the women's game at Westford Youths, going back, uh, would have been manager for a season back in 2016, went back into the academy with Walford and then obviously first team, so in terms of the men's um, league, this is my first gig as a manager, yeah. Yeah, what's, uh, what's the biggest change, I suppose, for yourself from the last season to this one now? I suppose that the off-season now and, and into pre-season in terms of, you know, negotiating with players and dealing with budgets and stuff, yeah. so that, that side of it's all new, but I've, I've had a couple of good guys that I've been able to fall back on and ask for advice and things like that, so, you know, that, that's been quite helpful. Yeah, for a part-time football club, like, how tight is that budget for nothing to figure, but, like, is it very hard to work with? Yeah, as you said, it's a part-time, so, you know, you might look at some players that are available and think, oh, they'd be, you know, they'd be good for us, but realistically, with the budget you have, are they, are they tar- realistic targets yeah. you know so we've had to manage that and you know it's been difficult and the, but the club have been good as well the club have said you know if you feel that there is a player that might stretch us a little don't let that get in the way you know have a chat with us they might or might not be able to do something they'll do but they said they've been quite accommodating to make sure that you know that transition for myself has been quite smooth yeah where's Cove's target this year I mean look there was a huge season for you last year are you aiming for playoff run again I think so I think I think if you look at the league this year, we obviously played Kerry the other day in the Muster Senior Cup and we were beaten. Uh, I think Kerry's near experience now, I think they'll be better for that this season. Uh, you take Galway and you take Waterford out of the league. Cork, obviously, I think will be favourites for their full-time status. But I think for everyone else, the playoffs has to be a realistic target, you know. I think it's going to be, you know, a lot of change in all the teams. There's not much you can really base off last season for anybody. So it's going to be starting fresh and it's going to be whoever gets the momentum, you know, will have a great chance. But as I said, I think playoffs for everybody this year has to be a realistic target. Yeah, I suppose the Ramblers fans are absolutely incredible last year and I'm sure it'll be the same this year. What can you say about them? 
yeah, from my experience, anytime we played them, especially the final in uh, Turner's Cross, you know, the fans were the fans were great, you know, they're, they're really getting behind it, and you can see in the figures it's rising year on year. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we can get the results and, and you know keep those guys wanting to come in and, and getting behind the club because the club's going through a new change at the moment. Obviously, the pitch is going to change to an astroturf. We'll play a couple of games in Turner's Cross at the start, but. You know, as I said, it's, it's a new era almost for Cove, and, and for me, it's a privilege to be able to lead them into that. And hopefully, as you said, we can get the fans yeah. behind us throughout the season. Well, why did it have to be changed into an AstroTurf? I suppose a lot with AstroTurf, you'd worry about injuries a lot. Yeah, your players are playing on that surface. Yeah, look, for me, I suppose I, I, I much prefer grass, and I think if you ask anyone in the league, they probably would. But I suppose logistically for the club, the, the, the Coleman's Park pitch hasn't been overly great in the last couple of seasons, so it might allow us to play a little a bit more um, also I suppose when you're you're renting out facilities and stuff for training and it's not only the first team you have, you have a whole academy there that you have to you know invest in as well so you know this over the short term might might be a financial hit but I think in the long term it's going to help the club um, you know secure training facilities for the club be a, a venue where you know it might be a, a revenue stream for them even yeah. so I think it helps the club massively in that sense What do you think compared to the standout players on the team this year that uh, we should be looking out for? Yeah, so what's been quite interesting for me is um, since I've seen some of the players gone, and, and they were gone before I came in, but what I see in some of the rest of the players is, is almost a, a freedom to, to go and express themselves a little bit more this season. The likes of James O'Leary uh, looks really good. Jack Larkin we've brought in as like attacking players. Liam Kervick, Matt McKevitt have been really good in pre-season. And even across the back, you know, Justin, Charlie, you know, Mike McCarthy. I, I could go on with the names, but it, it looks like they, you know, they feel like there's a little bit more of a responsibility onto them yeah. this season. But they're stepping up to the mark so far. Okay, Mark stuff. What are your own expectations for the season ahead? As I say, look, first gig for me, you know, um, I want to make a name for myself. You know, I want to make, um, I want the team to become a, a team that looks like a Gary Hunt team. You know, and that takes time. What does a Gary Hunt team look like? I like to think, you know, any of the teams I've been involved with, be it in the League of Ireland, with my own club, locally, going through the coaching ranks, you know, I want to play football. And, and as I say, the move to an AstroTurf probably, you know, helps me be able to instill them attacking principles in the team. So hopefully we can get the ball in and play, you know, and give the lads a little bit of a freedom to, to go and express themselves. But... And the other flip side of it is I have to recognise it is a results business too, so we have to make sure that we're not, um, you know, I suppose, chasing our tail in terms of, you know, results and, and as I said, playoff is a, is a realistic target for us, so we have to make sure that we're in the business end of the season too. Very much. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. And Manchester United look to have scored a potential late winner against Aston Villa in their Premier League game this evening. There's still about a minute and a half of extra time left to play, but it's currently Manchester United who are leading two goals to one. Tom Ross has the latest from Villa Park. Aston Villa 1, Manchester United 2 against the run of play in the second half. United take the lead. Scott McTominay with a fierce header and it looks like it could be the winner. He got in front of the defender and headed home across. Aston Villa 1, Manchester United 2. You are very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. It is Sarah McKenzie Foley here with you until 7pm. Let's get you a full-term result now from that game between Villa and United. It has finished 2-1 in favour of Manchester United. So that second goal from Scott McTominay has proved to be the killer blow for Villa in the end. 
Now we're going to move on to rugby because Ireland had a fantastic win against Italy today and there was only one person that we needed to chat to to go through that game. Rory O'Hagan joins me now to discuss that Ireland win against Italy. That was quite a performance from Andy Farrell's men today, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, like it was just a case of getting over the line, wasn't it really, Sarah? Um, like, you don't want any shocks against Italy. Like we saw against England last week that they ran England close. Mm. And you saw with the 20s on Friday how close they ran Ireland uh, yeah. in, um, in Cork. So you just want to get over the line and get it all done. And they got the job done. I mean, like six tries, 36 points, none conceded. Mm. It doesn't really get much better than that um, in front of a big crowd in the Aviva Stadium. Um, and look, again, we, we've been speaking about Jack Crowley so much on this show. Yeah. We have to speak about him again today because overall his play was superb. He was kind of almost at the heart of everything that Ireland had done well. Yes, he missed a couple of kicks. He pushed them wide and maybe there was one or two uh, plays that if he could play, run them back, he might have taken those options. But the confidence of this guy. Mm. Um, we spoke to Shane Horgan on the Big Red Bench yesterday. And I asked him specifically about Jack Crowley. And he was like, yeah, he's like the other shrinking violence that we had at 10 over the last couple of years. <laughs> and Johnny, he's got that just, that he's got that confidence about him, that just kind of cocks your attitude. And he just looks so calm and composed whenever he's on the ball. And he's an absolute pleasure to watch in Ireland. Like, when you look at their, their lineage at 10 from O'Gara to Sexton mm. and now to Crowley. And like, it's early days. Yeah, I don't want to be hyping the guy up too much and putting a lot of pressure on his shoulders. There's enough people doing that already. But for Crowley to come in to this stage and just take over that number 10 shirt like he's owned it all his life is absolutely fantastic. Seems off, obviously, better than he's from Cork as well. Oh yeah, 100%, always, always a benefit. <laughs> but as you said, you know, maybe, yes, his kicking off the tee was probably one of the things that they would have been disappointed with today, but the thing about him is that he doesn't ever let that stop the rest of his game. No. He will just carry on playing regardless, and I think that that is, you know, to, to borrow a basketball phrase, you know, shooters always shoot, and you just <laughs> you have to be able to do that as a 10. I, I agree, I think that's really, really exciting for Ireland going forward, and I think Patience is maybe the word of the day from an Irish point of view, which will surely please Andy Farrell because I think in the past Irish teams have made the mistake of not being maybe as clinical against teams like Italy where they might have put it up to more challenging opposition more, but there was none of that today. They really put in the same level of work rate and intensity, you know, regardless of the opposition. Surely that has to be great from a coaching perspective. Oh, big time, yeah, big time, yeah. Just on Crowley, I think we'll forgive him his first misconversion because he had just scored his first Irish try. Yes. Uh, so the, the adrenaline, I'd imagine, was just coursing through his veins. He stepped up to that kick, so we'll forgive him that one. But you're right, Sarah, I think the heart of the World Cup is fueling this Irish team. Mm. And, um, like, they have a chance to win back-to-back Grand Slams. I mean, like, they went to Marseille last week, they went to France, um, and most of the pundits were backing France. Um, yeah. They were like, this look, France at home, Marseille, it's a, a noisy stadium, the crowd will be right on top of Ireland most of and again a lot of questions on Crowley's shoulders going into that game they're like look France are a big team Like, I think you've got to edge France at home and Ireland's performance last week was one of the most breathtaking performances I'd seen from any rugby team in quite a while mm. and for them to go out and, and, and turn Italy over I think they are being fueled by that disappointment of the World Cup and the hurt of that World Cup has caused but Ireland are just such an exceptional team and as we saw in last year's Six Nations look they didn't do it in the World Cup quarter final this year but they picked up right where they've left off um, and look they have a chance to go and win 
back-to-back Grand Slams. Like, winning a Grand Slam is rare. The chance to go off win back-to-back ones is just even rarer. And I think that's, like, I think that's the message going out now um, from Andy Farrell and his coaching teams. Like, do not let this opportunity go. You've mm-hmm. got a chance to write your name in immortality here. And this is what they can do. Look, we're not going to get too hyped up about, like, beating Italy at home in the Six Nations. I mean, like, yeah. that's the barest of bare minimums that's required. It was just a manner of the performance, um, particularly in the second half, that first half. The game is a bit scrappy. Both teams um, didn't really get a hold in the game. The second half, when Ireland emptied their bench and really put the pressure on Italy, they really started to excel and they just turned in an excellent performance and like plenty of positives and a, a great, I suppose, um, point to, to, to build off now for the rest of the Six Nations. Completely. And what did you make of Caelan Doris on his first run out as Ireland captain? Obviously, big shoes to fill with Peter Romani going before him. Yeah, absolutely huge shoes to fill in. Obviously, like I'd imagine Peter Manny was in his ear um, <laughs> yeah. all throughout the week as well. But look, Caelan Doris captaining Ireland for the first time in front of the solo crowd at the Aviva Stadium. You've got to you've, like you've got to be pleased with that and the, and the way he, he performed today as captain. And like that whole Irish uh, pack were absolutely excellent. And like Dan Sheen going over for two tries. Like yeah. he is such an athletic player for for a hooker and just the way he can get over that line is absolutely fantastic. And that pass from. Uh, Jack Crowley that set oh, up uh, the help to set something up something else it was ridiculous wasn't it yeah. no look past the <laughs> it was magic wasn't it loved it loved it um, it was absolutely fantastic and just like like that whole Irish pack I thought were absolutely superb today mm-hmm. And uh, they were again. Look, they're going to face tougher tests than that Italian yeah. pack. But look, they did what they had to do. And um, that Irish team coming in with a number of changes in the side that uh, that beat France obviously last week. So there was a little bit of change. And as you mentioned, uh, Doris captaining Ireland for the first time. It's going to take him to time for settle. But look, you've obviously got a very very capable deputy there in Ken Doris for when Peter Romani doesn't play him, hoping he'll play the rest of the Six Nations games. Um, but he was like, oh man, he was so good in France last week, and just important to pick up knock maybe it was always the plan to rest him hmm. for this Italy game because to, to get I suppose an hour out of Peter Mahoney like almost five weeks in a row um, in uh, Calden that is the Six Nations I suppose is uh, it might be a lot to ask of him hmm. but uh, yeah Doris just look stepped up to the captain's role today absolutely happy out for sure and let's have a quick word on Italy you know they defended valiantly to the extent that they could today and I think in the first 20 minutes to be fair like you said there was a bit more back and forth and like we've seen them do before they get creative but then they sort of fail at the final hurdle but they really looked flat after that didn't they yeah, they had a chance to go up as well with a penalty um, early on that they just like pushed yeah. wide, um, and that would have been a real nerve nerve settling for a nerve settler for them. Garbisi just pushing his kick um, wide, and they had a chance to go ahead from that. I mean, like, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, I suppose that Italian team just put so much into that opening twenty minutes to try and be competitive with Ireland. Uh, and try and maybe just like nick something that would put Ireland under pressure and allow mm. Italy to build on that and they just couldn't get that going and then when Ireland just started to take control again it was just the calmness with which Ireland took control of that game they knew they had a job to do they went forward and they executed quite excellently across the course uh, of the 80 minutes they never panicked like it, it's not a game that's going to go down in history as a, a cracker in the eve or <laughs> no. anything like that uh, not one that's going to live long in the memory but you don't care as I, as I mentioned Sarah like you just have to get over the 
Italians. So all due respect to Italy, but if you want to win back-to-back Six Nations, beating Italy comfortably um, has to be, well, maybe not comfortably, but just beating Italy obviously has to be to be part of that. And Ireland did that today. Like, there's very little to complain about Ireland's performance today. I'm sure Andy Farrelly sits down during the week uh, and starts reviewing tape and starts reviewing uh, instances and starts talking to his players and doing all that video review and analysis during the week with point stuff out. Um, and he's obviously seen uh, a lot more things than I will have had um, sitting at home watching the game on TV. But I think Andy Farrelly, he's just got to be very, very pleased with his side's workout today. For sure. And they now have a couple of weeks break as well, which I think is great. And hopefully that Hugo Keenan injury wasn't anything serious and he'll be back in the next couple of weeks. What do you, I mean, what is the limit of this team, you know, going forward? We sort of came into the Six Nations not really knowing what to expect for them, but they've looked so strong so far and obviously already over France, which I would have considered our biggest competitors. Yeah, I think everyone kind of like was questioning maybe even the mentality of this Irish side going into the Six Nations after the uh, the World Cup qualifying exit. And as I mentioned, I think that has that hurted has hurt the team and it's motivated the team. Um, going into this Six Nations, it's what it's Saturday week now is the next game against Wales. Um, so Ireland have a couple of week or a week anyway, week off to just kind of rest and recuperate, get bodies back in, and get Peter Manny back fit for that game. So that is going to be a pivotal game at the Aviva Stadium. Then you've got uh, Ireland uh, going to England two weeks after that as well. Mm-hmm. So many of the games are like like there's no easy games, I suppose, no. in the Six Nations anyway. But like when you're going for a back-to-back Grand Slam, the pressure just starts ramping up with every game. and There's going to be so much talk now about Ireland going on to complete that Grand Slam in the next couple of weeks because obviously um, newspaper columnists have inches to fill in the, in a week off, Indeed. so there's going to be a lot of talk about back-to-back Grand Slams <laughs> and that pressure is going to intensify. So it'll be very interesting to see how that pressure weighs on Ireland's shoulders heading into that Wales game on Saturday week. But... Um, there is no limit to this Irish team. I mean, like, the big question heading into the Six Nations, and again, look, we don't want to talk about Jack Crowley too much, but it was, how are Ireland going to cope without Johnny Sexton? Yeah. I mean, like, the Johnny Sexton when the era was over. Johnny Sexton won the greatest out-halves the, 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 the game has ever seen. To come in and to replace him was going to be no easy feat. And so far, so far, Crowley has been past the audition with flying colours. I mean, like, he's obviously going to be tested a lot uh, further mm. and a lot more strenuously in, in the games to come. Uh, compared to today but I mean like we saw against France last week just how great he was and again today and if he keeps on that trajectory he keeps on improving and improving maybe sorts out his place kicking I missed three kicks now obviously today maybe if he sorts out the place kicking but um yeah, I mean, like overall, you, like that was the big question: Who, like, can Ireland survive mm. without Johnny Sexton at ten? And the answer, so far after two games, is an emphatic yes. Definitely, yeah, physically and mentally, which is great to see. Very exciting times ahead, Rory. Thanks as always for joining us to chat through that match. No problem, sir. Anytime. Certainly loads to look forward to for Ireland as their campaign, as Rory said, for back-to-back championships continues. And I'm just going to bring you the full-time report from Villa Park, as I said earlier, from that late winner that Manchester United had to finish 2-1 against Villa. Aston Villa 1, Manchester United 2, a massive three points for Ten Hag's men. But Aston Villa will point to poor defending for both United goals and a host of missed opportunities. But Manchester United had the quality to play the game at the pace they wanted. A good game, end-to-end, but all that mattered as both managers made the point early, all that mattered was the result and the three points have gone to United. Aston Villa 1, Manchester United 2. Now, we 
have to talk about the Super Bowl next because I don't know about you, but I think if I had a euro for every time I've heard the term Super Bowl today, I'd probably be a millionaire at this stage. It is, of course, Super Bowl Sunday and tonight sees the San Francisco 49ers going up against the Kansas City Chiefs in Las Vegas and the Cork Admirals are hosting their famous Super Bowl party in the East Village tonight and everyone is welcome to join them there later on. But before we do any of that celebration, we've got a preview of the game for you because Rory has been speaking to Cork Admirals head coach and Ireland under-19 head coach Alan Masney. All right, it is Super Bowl time, Super Bowl 47 happening this coming Sunday. It's the Chiefs and the 49ers. And to talk to it, we have to talk to our old pal and obviously one of the most qualified men in the country to give us his analysis. He is the Cork Admirals head coach. He is the Irish under-19s head coach. He's a member of the Irish American Football League Hall of Fame. And most importantly, considering the weekend that's in it, he is a massive Taylor Swift fan as well. That is Alan Lamasney. Alan, how are you, sir? <laughs> Good, Rory. Oh, you! I didn't think you'd give way to Taylor Swifting straight away. I know, but it had to be done. I mean, like, I'm, I'm surprised you've been able to hide it for this long. To be honest, <laughs> how are you, boy? It's been uh, a while. Yeah. I good boy, I'm great. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, all is good. Plenty ah. of football going on. So. Happy days. We might, uh, yeah, we might touch on all that stuff in just a little uh, bit. But we'll, we'll look ahead to the big one first, I suppose, and uh, yes, the, the, yes. the biggest sporting event in the world happening this coming Sunday, eleven thirty kickoff. Uh, Chiefs Forty Niners. Um, it's got the makings of a classic, and this Chiefs team, four Super Bowls, five years. It's just a ridiculous record that they have. It is. Um, they, they have built a squad that a lot of teams have not been able to do over the last decade or, you know, to keep that nucleus together, to keep getting to Super Bowls. It's, look, I mean, anyone will tell you to get to a championship at any level is difficult, but to get to a Super Bowl regularly, I mean, that's that's not something that happens since, I mean, obviously the Patriots were kind of the last big team to do it, but um, I just think, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Andy Reid. I think he's, he's a very innovative guy and he just comes up with ways to win uh, and and this year their defence which was always kind of taking the backseat to the offence this year the defence took the, the the big step um, and uh, they, you know they're a team now that has equal balance on both sides of the ball yeah, and obviously um, when you're just looking at that team, you can't not but talk about Patrick Mahomes and the impact he's had, I suppose, on this Chiefs team and on the sport as a whole. He is just an incredible athlete, an incredible player. Yeah, he's he's superb. I mean, to be able to do what he's done already at his age is, is phenomenal. Um, he has, you know, he's taken the position that, you know, lots of people said you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way. And he's done his own thing, you know, some of these throws, these off-schedule throws and off-platform stuff that he does. And, you know, he, he just finds way to win. Hmm. And, and that's, you know, when you have a, when you have a team uh, that, that is successful and if you've got a quarterback that can find ways to win, you're always in a great place. Uh, his absolute number then Brock Purdy um, he, it's kind of a fairy tale stuff for him really I mean like to, to the way he's come in and just taken to the league and, and guided this San Francisco team to the Super Bowl but also last season uh, just the way he came in and just kind of shocked everyone with his performances he's an exceptional player as well he is um, he is the first Mr. Irrelevant to start the Super Bowl so the Mr. Irrelevant is the the last guy drafted in the draft so he's gone from being the last guy in the draft picked to starting in the Super Bowl 
Um, I mean, it's it's a phenomenal thing to happen. Um, he was one of these guys that I think they, you know, Norman had him on the radar at the start, but then he came in and. You know, he's making a huge impact for him. Hmm. I mean, to be honest, they lost to Philadelphia last year in the championship game because he was hurt. Yeah. Uh, whereas this year, he's been healthy enough um, and he's made a huge difference. And um, I, I, I I, see kind of similarities between him and when how Tom Brady started. Yeah. You know, Tom Brady was a late round pick, got his chance to come in and, and look what happened then. So um, <clears throat> he's probably not as flashy or as, uh, you know, as... Um, I suppose as noticeable as as Mahomes, but very very solid quarterback, and I, I think you know he's been directing that San Francisco offense very well this year. Um, it's kind of fairy tale stuff for him, really. It's kind of the stuff we kind of um, see in movies, as you mentioned, Mister Irrelevant to, to Super Bowl starter. It's an incredible story, it's an incredible run. But just from watching him this year and seeing him, like the pressure doesn't seem to be getting to him at all at all. No, no, he seems like. Um, he seems like, but he seems like a very don't hurt type of guy. I mean, if you if you if you watch, if you've ever seen uh, the shots they use when guys come to the stadium and the outfits they wear, and you've all mm-hmm. these guys wearing all this flash, this guy turns up in jeans and a jacket, and you know, just a regular guy. Um, he, like he shares the apartment, I think, with a, with, a, with someone, uh, his roommate. You know what I mean? He's the, he's not the flash quarterback that you'd normally see, um, and and I think that translates then. To what you see on the field. If a guy is kind of cool, calm, and collected, and you know, off the field, he's he's generally the same type of fellow on the field, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I mean, he's he he made a um, a couple of crucial throws there in the championship game against the Lions to get them, you know, down there and secure that win. And uh, you know, I I don't see the Super Bowl being too big a stage for him. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching this game on Sunday. How do you see it going, though, Alan? I mean, like, who do you think is going to come on top Sunday? It's it's an interesting one because at the moment the Niners are a slight favourite. Mm. Um, however, you know, I think you got to realise Chiefs are the champions, um, and I think once you have Mahomes at any stage, you you know you're never out of it. Yeah. Uh, you throw in Kelsey, then I mean Kelsey this playoffs has passed the record for most receptions in playoff history, and he? you know he's the leading reception guy in in playoff history now. Yeah. So. <clears throat> That coupled with the defense and and the the Chiefs, then you throw in Christian McCaffrey, who is just a ridiculous talent. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. I, I think the Chiefs will edge it, mm. but I think it, it should be a great game. Yeah, and I think Brock Purdy will be getting a new contract as well. He started the year on 870k compared to 59.4 million from Mahomes, which shows you the disparity in the yes. pay between these guys. Yes, it's just. I mean, look. They, they, I mean, they changed that a f- some few years back, where they, you know, the rookie contracts uh, allowed teams to not have to pay out a huge mm. ball of money for someone that may not work out. So they got him on a rookie contract. You try and build around the guy then when you have him still on the rookie contract, and then if he pans out, then you pay him. Um, so I think yeah, he's in line for he's in line for a, a big payout now. In, in, in the near future he'll be looked after anyway Which, he, he won't be looking yeah, at his, he, he won't be looking at his mobile banking before the bills come in 
No, I doubt it. I'd, I'd say he's 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 not going to be stuck for a few pounder right now. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward uh, to that game yeah. now on uh, Sunday night. Uh, elsewhere, Alan, talk to us. I mean, like as I mentioned, you are now the 19 coach for, for Ireland, which is a, a huge honour. But uh, we were just chatting before we came on air, and you were saying 53 guys turned up for tryouts, which is an incredible number, but also shows the strength of the game in this country continues to grow. It is. Um, I mean, look. You know, we started the 19th program last year um, with the, you know, the view to trying to get guys an opportunity to play, for, you know, to play for your country is an honour any sport. So, you know, we said, look, there's lots of younger guys there that have um, a lot of talent in our country playing football, and we, we've seen it in, with the admirals in our own with our U team. And um, so we held open tryouts there uh, two weeks ago in Dublin, and there was, you know, there was 53 kids turned up. Now that's coupled with the guys we have from last year, so. Mm. You know, <clears throat> we're looking at having maybe a squad of, you know, 60, 70 kids all want to play football. I mean, we we played uh, an American high school in August last year. Then we went to Bristol in November and we played Bristol Academy. Uh, we're hoping to line up a couple of other uh, high schools again this year. And, um, you know, it's it's it, look, it's a process and we're just trying to grow the thing. But, you know, the, the sport is, has really come on there in the last four or five years, yeah. especially at youth level. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's 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 lots of exciting things happening now in the sport. You know, you've the Pittsburgh Steelers have now come into the market, and you know they're they're interested in in in, in growing the game here as well. So you know, when you've got a, a professional football team involved, then you know it's it's only good for for anyone who wants to play football here. Yeah, massively exciting. And the Cork Admirals, I suppose, things starting to ramp up there and that side of things as well. Yeah, we have uh, our first game of the season now on the third of March in Limerick. Um, so we're we're full into pre-season at the moment. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, uh, we've got Limerick who have just come up from the, the the first division up to the Premier Division. So this will be their first game back in the in the top division in I think it's three years. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting one to start. Um, and uh, look, we we've we're we're just uh, looking forward to getting you know you know the, the, the all off season. Sometimes it seems short in your head, but you know <laughs> guys it should get back to football and. You know, it's, it's, it's great to, to finally get back and be able to play a game again. Yeah, it's going to be a, a massively exciting season. Uh, very best luck for yeah. that. No doubt we'll be talking to you before that and across the course of the season yeah, as well. But Alan, absolutely. thanks for joining us, buddy. And come here and enjoy the game Sunday no, night. No problem, Rory. Thanks a mil. Let's hear now from the Kansas City Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid, who was just mentioned in that interview. He says they're not focusing on building a dynasty at the team despite their last couple of years of results. As far as the legacy goes, I don't really think about that. We're, we're so tied up into the game and getting ready for the game that that's where all your energy goes. And the neat thing about football is very humbling. It's a different sort of side of the coin for the 49ers. They're looking to win the Super Bowl for the first time in nearly 30 years. So a very different picture, a very different prospect ahead for them. But it would see them, if they were to win it, go joint top with a record six titles. And their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, says they're desperate to go one better than their defeat to the Chiefs in this game four years ago. I got told this a long time ago. Uh, there's usually only one team that's happy at the end of the year. And so whether it comes down to the Super Bowl, it's a playoff game, it's, it's all the same. Like we're going for the big one. Yeah, it hurts when you get that close to it because it is so hard to get there. 
big, big game of sport ahead this evening. So hopefully if you are staying up to enjoy it, uh, it, it proves to be a good game, fingers crossed. Now, I mentioned at the end of Sunday's Big Red Bench last week that I hadn't been able to squeeze in any Formula One chat as it was such a packed show. But today I'm pleased to say that I do have a few minutes now to talk about it because the news broke, of course, on February 4th, or February 1st, I should say, of Sir Lewis Hamilton's seismic move from Mercedes to Ferrari, which will happen at the end of the 2024 season. And lots of people, funnily enough, were left wondering whether it was an extremely early April Fool's joke. But no, it is in fact true. Lewis Hamilton is going to be ending a 12-year stint with Mercedes and he's going to be driving in red for Ferrari from the 2025 season. I know there are a lot of Ferrari fans in Cork, so do reach out to us on X at Big Red Bench if you've got thoughts on this news. But it's no secret to anyone that all F1 drivers really share the dream of driving for Ferrari at some point in their career. And to be fair, Lewis Hamilton has been quite open about that. There were many photos and videos of him meeting with old friend and Ferrari boss Fred Vasseur last summer which they both brushed off originally as nothing to be concerned about. But obviously, it did become something for Mercedes to be concerned about. And it's interesting that since the news was announced, we're starting to hear details of the circumstances that convinced Hamilton to make the switch. And it would appear that Mercedes simply weren't willing to put an enticing enough offer on the table for Lewis Hamilton. And that is why he has signed a multi-year contract with with Ferrari, whereas Mercedes were only willing to sign him to a one plus one agreement after he originally requested a three-year deal. Now, obviously, of course, money makes the F1 world go round uh, in a a very big way. And that was, of course, you know, that was, of course, a, a part of the decision. But, of course, Hamilton is not a man who is short of a few quid. So I don't think that was the deciding factor. But what does seem to have rubbed him up the wrong way is the level of wider investment and belief that in comparison to what Mercedes were not willing to give him, that Ferrari were willing to give him. Because it's being reported that the Mercedes board of directors refused a proposed deal to make Lewis Hamilton an ambassador until 2035, which sparked an idea in John Elkin from the Ferrari side to offer Lewis a deal that encompassed much more than just a driving contract. So listen to this. Elkan has reportedly committed to creating a joint investment fund worth around 250 million euro, which will be used to invest in Hamilton's various initiatives. So that includes things like Mission 44, which aims to increase diversity across education, employment and empowerment. And he's also produced various diversity reports through the Hamilton Commission as well. So the reality here is that Mercedes, again, just simply weren't willing to put an enticing enough offer on the table for the seven-time world champion. And I think the reality is also that the move has the potential to be a win-win for him. I think first he gets to fulfill his dream of being a Ferrari driver and, in my opinion, will get a huge injection of renewed energy from such a shift in his surroundings. And then secondly, he gets a very strong and public financial investment in the off-track work that he's doing. Obviously, thirdly, if Ferrari can provide him with the team and the tools to win another world championship, not only would he set the new record for the most F1 world championships in history, but he'd set it at Ferrari, where he currently holds that equal achievement with Michael Schumacher who 
you know, arguably is the most iconic Ferrari driver of all time. So, I mean, it sounds like a dream, doesn't it? It sounds like it sounds like something you would dream up. And of course, anyone who has been a long suffering Formula One fan will know that very little in Formula One does actually turn out picture perfect as that in reality. But look, these are the possibilities on the table and only time will tell, but it's very, very exciting times ahead moving into the pre-season, which we'll be chatting about in the next couple of weeks. But that is everything I've got time for this evening, folks. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. It's been Sarah McKenzie Foley with you for the Sunday edition of The Big Red Bench. If you did miss anything from the show or you want to listen back, the podcast will be available later this evening from wherever you get your podcasts. But in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and stay tuned for Green on Red up next.